Sorry, Cup, and welcome to another episode here for the Funk It Pod. And you know what it means when we are going live or airing on a Saturday. It's time for the Academic Corner. Every Saturday, I'll talk a little bit about higher education, um, yeah, experiments in higher education, classroom experiments, how to be a bit more engaging, and so on. Right, And as you can see, of course, um, from the thumbnail, headline, title on Spotify, wherever you're watching or listening, we talk today about um, designing engaging assignments. Because let's be honest, assignments are some sort of necessary evil, right? Extrinsic motivator, if, if you will. And so it, since most of us have to work with assignments to some extent, I think it's just reasonable to look into like how can we make those assignments more engaging, more fun, and hopefully also more beneficial for our students. So we're going to take a quick journey through through a little bit of cognitive science, not not too detailed, but just because we we're, we're all aware of of the underlying theories, I, I, I assume. So just a quick reminder here, um, looking a little bit in some pedagogical innovation yeah, approaches, um, but mostly just trying to figure out, again, how can we make assignments as engaging as possible. So let's yeah, prepare to, to delve into a world of hopefully, hopefully creative teaching strategies for your unique classes. Okay, so let's let's jump into it. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about just a few theoretical frameworks. Of course, there are way more that apply to I don't know, your students' psychology and whatnot. Um, I try to pick only like three different ones that I think are impacting the way we can structure assignments. But of course, when it comes to psychology, there are a million, right? Um, but I'll, like I said, I'll try to focus on just three in this case that I think impact the way we design um, assignments. And we're going to also discuss how to engage students and maybe have a little bit of a look into like um, a, a quick case study to see um, an example of how that could work and look like in real life. Okay, so that, that's that's the goal. So let's jump into our, our weekly intellectual adventure, if you will. And um, yeah, let's, let's just... I don't... I'm missing the right transition. Let's just start. <laughs> All right. So the frameworks that I that I thought that fit, right? And please share others that you think might fit. So I think one that anyone who's in, in, in education, somewhat, I don't know, working with people, psychology and so on, has to basically learn about Bloom's taxonomy, right? And it's it's a very basic foundation model when it comes to education. As you probably know, because if you're listening slash watching this, you're probably in education. Um, so we know those, those six different cognitive levels, right? Remembering, uh, understanding, applying, analyzing, evaluating, creating. So... If, for example, analyzing might involve like comparing different theories, you analyze those, while creating might involve like designing a, a research proposal for your grad, your grad students, for example, right? So, or, or yourself, obviously. So, <laughs> this obviously guides us as educators in creating like more diverse assignments that hopefully, in the end, push the students to think more critically. Right, so if they have to do like those different things, like remembering, I'm saying, applying, analyzing, and so on, they hopefully have to think more, think more critically, and hence, hopefully, 
remember more, learn more from it. The the next one that I that I that I wrote down that I wanted to to throw in there is the the CLT right the constructivist uh, learning theory and I talked about this theory in, in, on my weekly podcast uh, on my my weekday podcast episodes which are not about education but they also it also plays into that because this this focuses more on the the active learning part right where where students build their understanding within the active learning setting. So it's kind of like like assembling the puzzle, but it's more like guided by like problem solving tasks, right? You solve like different problems, and while you do it, the puzzle comes together and you're learning. It's like I want to say in inquiry based projects, not only problem based project, but like also inquiry based projects. And very important, and and you, if you watched slash listened to a few previous episodes, you know that it's very important to me. Reflection, <laughs> reflection is also like a big big part of that. Yeah, so an example could be um, like a research project where yes, students gather, then interpret, and then present data. For example, yeah, it sounds very basic, but if you Focus on those steps that I just mentioned. Yeah, um, this assembling the puzzle, having like those different tasks in there, those problem-solving steps. Then they will actually learn something. Yeah, because it's an active learning approach. Uh, the last one that I wrote down that I wanted to throw in there, and then I'm hoping that you will also throw more in there and let me know, um, is the Eddy model. Um, I don't know if we only in Germany we, we we actually say Eddy or if others say A D D I E. I'm not really sure to be honest. A language barrier right there, but you probably know that model, right? There's this five step process for like I think it's it came to fame in like instructional design, but now with design thinking and whatnot, it like creeps into everything. Um, yeah, which is A D D I E analysis, analysis, design. Development and now I have to implementation and evaluation. Exactly, that's exactly right. Right. So this just guides us with the creation of hopefully similar to the first theory I just mentioned with effective like those educational experiences that relate to the students, right? Because it hopefully also ensures that it's aligned with your expected learning outcome. If that makes sense. Again, working again one more time, Eddie, right? A D D I E, analysis, design, development, implementation, and then evaluation. You see that all those three are somewhat related, right? And I mean, hey, teacher, obviously that's on purpose. So now I'm hoping that you also have a few more frameworks slash theories that you think are important to consider when creating those assignments. But before we, we go there and before I hopefully see some of your comments either on YouTube, on social media, or right there on Spotify. Um, I want to talk about a few a few just tips and tricks when it comes to designing those engaging assignments. Right? So I wrote, I wrote a few down that, that I, I have like on a kind of like a, a checklist for me. Like when I do assignments, I'm like, oh, do, am I doing this? Am I doing that? And so I'm just going to share it. So first of all, when I create an assignment, and I haven't done this all the time. So this was like, learning by doing slash learning by failure. Right? Because in the beginning, I was like, I just want to create fun assignments. But then I, I made a fun assignment and I thought it was cool and fun and whatnot. And then I realized, huh, how does it actually align with the learning objective? You would say, yeah, so they're using what we did in class, but it doesn't really affect the learning outcome. 
So they would maybe repeat what we did in class in a fun way, but does it really add to the learning outcome is the question, right? So aligning the assignment with the learning objective, I think is super important, incredibly crucial to actually succeed because your assignment doesn't just want to rehash what you did in class, but it wants to hopefully move forward, maybe even accelerate that learning progress, right? So you gotta have gotta design the assignments to develop critical thinking, analyzing, evaluating, and so on. Not just rehashing what you did in class. In order to do this, a second point that I that, that I have on my checklist is always like doing always use real world problems. Don't just use made up stuff like in primary school, maybe in high school, right? A student realize and it's made up and beats or when they realize it, it's just not relatable. So use real world problems. Like you could analyze like the economic impact of like recent events, for example, to, to make it more relevant, to create more relevance, right? Students will appreciate that. They're like, hey, okay, it's actually related to what's happening in the real world. I, I've been exposed to this anyways. Oh, now I can use what I learn in class with this real world problem. Cool. Yeah, so that, I think that helps. Um, what also helps, and in the beginning, I also didn't like it that much because it's very just much work, but provide choices. Yeah, let students choose topics or formats or whatever, because if they have a choice, then that usually boosts motivation. You don't just assign them randomly. They're like, uh, that sucks. But they're like, hey, okay, I picked it. I'm into this. If you cannot make, if you cannot like implement choosing topics, at least let them choose the format, for example, the way they present um, that assignment, for example, right? As long as they have a choice, they're going to be a little bit more motivated. Um, the next step, and I'm hesitating now because if you watched my previous video from last week or listened to last week's episode, <laughs> I talked about my failure, but I still think it's important, collaborative learning. Um, obviously, group pro everyone works with group projects, especially if you're big classes, right? We know they foster creativity, understanding, teamwork, and whatnot, which is great. But go back to like a week from from uh, a week before this episode, like last week, uh, you can also listen to me failing in creating groups. So if you want to create some groups, um, of course, it's a great idea using collaborative learning, but be aware of specific pitfalls, certain pitfalls. If you want to listen to me almost crying, check out the previous episode slash video. Uh, I think it's also important, and we talked about this two weeks ago when we talked about the multimedia part, that it's important to blend different kinds of media together, like using multimedia to appeal to diverse learning um, styles. So not everybody wants to, I know, read the book, Wants, yeah, no, no one wants, but <laughs> not everybody can learn well while reading a book. Not everybody can learn well, well while doing certain things. So if you blend different multimedia use together, different media together, then you can probably um, enhance the learning experience, which I think is, is, a, is a good thing, of course, right? You should also always, next step, Always offer feedback. Like feedback is so important. So regular check-ins, if you have like a, a big final project at the end, right? For example, um, always offer feedback. If there's a project that, that runs for several weeks, always offer feedback. You can't just let it run and then just like, here is your grade B or C or whatever. 
give them feedback because people, I mean, you know it yourself. You learn from feedback. If you work on a research, you need some feedback, right? So feedback is important. So offer formative feedback. Yeah, regular check-ins on group projects, on individual projects, yeah, opportunities for, for revision and so on are important. So yeah, plan this, make some time for it. It A, helps you that you're not frustrated at the end with the outcome and it also helps the student to actually progress in the learning journey while they're working on their assignments. Okay, then um, yeah, transparent rubrics are a no-brainer, but be transparent when it comes to grading. So clear grading criteria, of course, helps the students. I'm not a big fan of that either. I hate it because like, it's obvious what you should be doing, but it still helps the students to have like some kind of guidance to so just you know, share your grading rubric in the very beginning so no, there, there are no, no discussions afterwards, right? Um, what else do I have on my, on my cheat sheet? Let me see. Oh, yeah. Encourage reflection, of course. Because, like I said earlier, reflection, I think, is very important. Um, I'm a big fan of reflection. And I think reflection fosters, like, this, this metacognition, if, if, if you will, right? And hence enhances learning. If you think about what you just did and why you did it and how you could do it better, then you're learning while you're thinking about it. And that's a great thing. So I think reflection is very important. Technology, back to two weeks ago, multimedia, technology, and so on. And edtech, also important. But do it thoughtfully. Yeah, use collaboration tools and software. Yes, but it should also make sense and align with the learning uh, objective. But we talked about this in the episode about technology and and media and so on, right? But so yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of it, big proponent. Use it, but it should work. So if you have a coding class, use GitHub. If you don't have a coding class, you can't force students to be on GitHub because they're like, what? Huh? What am I doing here right now? Right? So it should make sense. Um, and lastly, and I talked about this in the in the tech class too, um, yeah, consider accessibility and inclusivity. Yeah, always provide alternatives to make sure that every student is on board, every student can can um, use your sources, access your access your sources, make sure that every student succeeds. Right. So accessibility, of course, is uh, important and. Just like inclusivity, but we talked about this for a whole episode, like also I think two or three weeks ago. So check this out again, um, because obviously, yeah, if it's not inclusive, accessible, then you just leave students, you, you, you lose them on the way. And that's, of course, not our goal. Okay, so potential case study. Um, yeah, how could we apply all those theories um, in designing assignments, right? So for example, you're... And I'm, I'm really just making this up now on the fly. I have a few bullet points, but I'm, I'm thinking of something different now because I think that might just resonate more. Like you're at a, you, you teach at uni, you have a business course, um, you design, redesign it with like what we had. I'm just using the theories that I mentioned earlier, like Bloom's taxonomy and the CLT, the Eddy model. And maybe you face some challenges, like for example, um, issues in in yeah, student engagement and there is there, there are some inconsistent students in there they're performing inconsistently right so you could try to implement the strategies by revamping the assignment for example adding real world scenarios uh, giving them like real business cases to crack for example working with real clients for example you could use like different multimedia approaches to make it more engaging rather than just slides in um in, in class or just like a, an assignment on your LMS 
Um, it gives them different choices of like how they want to do their assignments, how they want to present, when they want to present, for example, and introduce like feedback loops, right? Give them like weekly or twice a week feedback or something like this. Then I think the results will change because you will have by default a higher student engagement. Because if you give feedback, they have to get back to you. So they have to be engaged already, right? Um, this usually leads to a better performance because if when you're giving feedback and even if I only feel like I'm forced to reply to my professor, but I have to think about what I'm saying and I will learn by default already. Okay. And this will lead hopefully to positive feedback. All right. So let me, let me wrap this up because again, I don't want to like cheat on a Saturday, um, but I hope this, this quick exploration of design engagement or more designing more engaging assignments in higher ed um, has taken us through a few different theories, a few practical strategies as well, I hope. And um, I think that actually whether like we're experienced teachers or we're new to teaching, yeah, those implementing those, those different principles will eventually foster like a more dynamic learning, I think. And in this dynamic learning setting, students hopefully will active, actively participate more and then also learn more, hopefully. So if you con if you continue our journey here in higher education, always trying to remember that teaching, I think, strives on under with creative creative educators. That creativity is important. Connection with the students is important, and of course, growing together is important. But again, I'm really curious to hear like how how do you decide engaging assignments? Like which theories which frameworks do you abide by and do you think they are important when i create uh, assignments so shout out with your creative assignments um in the comments under this video or um yeah right on spotify where you can just reply to to the episode or on social media at funkitpod email funkitpod at gmail.com let me know the frameworks you're using the assignments that you're doing and maybe even also if you want just like me last time share What didn't work out well? But please also share what worked out well. Of course, also looking forward to hearing like best cases, not just worst cases. All right, this is for me for this week, for this week's academic corner. This time we talked about how to create engaging assignments in higher education. We'll be back next week with the next topic in regards to increasing engagement, improving our classes um, for university students. Until then, as always, stay safe, take care, and we will talk soon. Sao ikap.